What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good morning, my lovely, lovely friends. So excited about this podcast episode. But first, I've got to say happy Thanksgiving or happy post-Thanksgiving or happy not Thanksgiving if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. But either way, I hope you had a wonderful week last week. And if you did celebrate Thanksgiving, you were with some friends or some family members or your cat and you just had a wonderful, jolly old time. I am very excited to introduce to you Nadia Manla. She is a health and embodiment coach who guides women to sensual nourishment and embodied power by helping them reconnect to their own body voice. She is immensely passionate about supporting women in their journey back to their embodied essence so they can feel vibrant, alive, feminine, and free again. Through her one-on-one coaching, embodied dance classes, and embodied teacher training, Nadia has guided thousands of women across five continents on their journey back to themselves. You can find her at NadiaManla.com, EmbodiedDanceClass.com, or join the, join the conversation at the Embody Tribe Facebook group. I will have all of those links on the show notes for this episode 180. Before we head on over, I've got to say when I recorded this, you guys, I recorded this probably about a month ago and I was very sick. I had a head cold. I was just like all this, all the gunk and junk in my throat and my nose. And it kind of shows up in this episode that my brain was pretty foggy, but Nadia was a champ. And guys, just forgive me if I'm not on point with this episode in my my responses and questions because I wasn't totally all the way there. But that doesn't even matter. How I showed up doesn't matter because Nadia rocked this. You're going to get so much beautiful insight and information and oh, it's just really juicy. So get ready to be introduced to a wonderful, fantastic, vibrant woman who has the potential to change your life. And This episode is brought to you by Audible. If you want to get a free 30-day trial plus a free audiobook, you can go on over to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. That is my personal link for this show. You can get a free audiobook there. You can get any of the audiobooks that we have ever talked about on this podcast and dive right in. The reason why I love audiobooks is because you can listen to them when you are at the gym or whenever you're in the car or whenever you're cooking. Nothing is off limits. You can constantly be learning just like you're always learning whenever you're listening to this podcast. And I highly encourage you to get that because it's for free. And last but not least, the review of the week comes from Allison Marie 425 and she says, amazing with five stars. I recently found your podcast through a YouTuber that I followed and I'm so glad that I did. Your words and thoughts connect so well to mine and the whole time I'm listening, I'm constantly saying, yes, that's how I feel. So thank you so much. I will continue to listen to your podcast each and every day. You help me more than you know. You are so welcome, Allison Marie. Thank you so much for leaving a review. If you have not left a review yet on this show and you really want to support the podcast because you love the podcast, you can go over to iTunes and click ratings and reviews and write a review and then I'll share it on the show and uh, love you long time for that. So thank you. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate you so much. Okay, I think it's time we head on over to the show. I am so excited about this one. You guys, you're just going to be on the seat of your pants listening to Nadia talk about all of her juicy goodness. So I'll see you there. 
You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hiya, and welcome back to episode 180 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. I'm here joined with Nadia, who has been on my get on the podcast list for probably about six months now. Here we are finally about to record. Love everything that you're up to in this world, Nadia. It's beautiful. It's delicious. And it's so, so far stretched and wide ranging. And I just can't wait to dive in with you today. Mm, I'm so excited to do the same. Can you give my followers who may be new to your message a little bit of insight in how you have become a embodiment coach? What, the, yeah. what did that journey look like for you? Uh, it started off with a lot of disconnection from my body, um, as would be the case, because what we teach is always what we need to learn most, right? And so for me, I had sort of a, a variety of different um I guess threads early on in my life that had me disconnect from my body, especially my feminine body, right? As a woman. And so, you know, on the one hand, I had a lot of physical just conditions, digestive issues, um, a lot of stuff that just ended up manifesting, you know, starts with digestion and then manifests into a gajillion other things in my body. And so I had this very, I would say antagonistic relationship with my body around, you know, I saw her as a burden and um, not so much as like someone on my team. And so I was always felt like I was fighting her through these different physical conditions. Um, and then sort of another thread um, was that I grew up really wanting to be a ballerina. And I would say from the moment I started walking, practically, they, my parents put me into um ballet classes and I loved it and I was all about like I'm going to have that pink tutu I'm going to be on stage it's going to be awesome and around the age of eight or nine I was actually training at a youth ballet company and so I was like on track and I was told by one of my teachers that I could not continue at least the professional track because I had some um, just like a issue with my knees that wouldn't allow me to stay on point. I would be in a lot of pain. So again, you can imagine I had this, that same message come up like, oh, my body is in a way a burden or an obstacle to my dreams. And so instantly I disconnected and started again feeling this antagonistic uh, relationship with her. And I like to say her because I, I now I'm in a place where I really like to 
uh, think of, of my body as this, you know, it's like a beautiful baby girl that I love and, and, and take care of and nourish. And so for those of you listening, that's, that's what I'm referring to. And so there was the, the dancing track or thread. There was the physical conditions. And then of course, um, being a woman, it's practically inevitable that, um, there was also the, the eroticism and the sensual piece, um, that thread, which was, you know, a lot of messaging that I got from, you know, authority figures and institutions and religion and, um, magazines and, um, unfortunately also just like men and, and boys in my life who transgressed certain boundaries. And so I also, started to feel like, oh, there's this part of my body that is really dangerous, um, that can attract danger and a lack of safety. And so you can imagine all these different layers are now like plastered on my body. Fast forward to me in my 20s, and I'm just like running around like a neurotic, disconnected person, <laughs> like completely in my head, burning myself out, uh, band-aiding that's not even a word but like <laughs> covering covering my um all of my physical issues and the way that my body was trying to speak to me with you know band-aid solutions essentially and so at some point I realized wait a second hold on this doesn't work this is this is not a way that I can continue it's not sustainable and so I slowly started uh, my journey deepening back into a conversation with my body, which again, you know, there's moments where it's antagonistic, but ultimately we, there was ceasefire and then there was understanding and then there was love. And now there's like really great teamwork. Mm, yeah. So this is so good. So the band dating, I want to talk about this for a bit. What did that look like in your life when you use these different sorts of mm -hmm. band-aids to cope? Because essentially that's what it is. It's just coping mechanisms to make you feel safe, to give you this false sense of security instead of embracing and warming the body that you've been given. It's either, I guess, repressing it or exploiting it. So what were the, what were the what paths, I guess, of, of band-aiding that you mm. did? Mm -hmm. Oh, all, all of the, all the things. So I would say my, Actually, my biggest one is coffee, and I've come to realize this um, very recently. I had to go on this special diet before I went to Peru to work with a shaman, and we had to sort of get rid of a lot of, you know, the sugar and coffee and alcohol and, like, all the typical things that we uh, sort of lean, lean back on. And uh, funny enough, coffee turned out to be my biggest issue, even though I just drink, like, you know, one cup, maybe sometimes another one in the afternoon if I'm really having a, you know, super, super long day. But I realized that so much of my worth was somehow unconsciously dependent on how productive I am and how much I show up to my mission in the world, even now with embodiment, right? And so I was like, oh, wow, how fascinating that coffee is my thing. So that was my thing early on and obviously <laughs> continues to be so. Um, and then, you know, just the usual, like, um, painkillers, but I mean, I'm just talking about like Advil, nothing crazy, but every time I had headaches or stomach aches, like just taking certain medication, whether it was like Tums or Advil to cover up these issues and go, all right, well, once I don't have this headache, I can continue on with whatever I need to do in my life. And the truth was that I was just masking the issue and I wasn't dealing with the 
the source of the problem, with, which was a lot of food intolerances and digestive issues and things like that. Um, I feel like for most women, at some point, we've dabbled in um, the birth control pill. For me, it was a very short stint because it didn't work well with my body, but that was another, um, in a way, Band-Aid solution to major hormonal imbalance that I had, um, PCOS and uh, just a variety of, of, of issues, really painful periods and things like that. And so, you know, of course, the doctors tell you, well, just get on the pill and everything will be fine. And um, luckily, I learned quite quickly that that wasn't an answer either. And um, I feel like those were my big ones, you know, it was a little bit in my party phase somewhere in my twenties, there was, you know, excessive like alcohol and, and, and drug intake, but it didn't last for too long. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I, I sort of covered the spectrum. <laughs> so in your body, would you say then that the more you eat, I guess, so to say like clean, fresh foods and avoid taking, medications whenever you're you get a headache or you hurt something hurts like you just you sit in it I'm assuming and that's what really works for you is just to sit it like do you ever take Tums and stuff like that or do you ever drink coffee or do you try to okay (laughs) so it's just the motive behind it I'm assuming it's like you will do these things whenever you feel that your body requires them but you're also doing it from a place of like understanding and not trying to mask yeah. The way that I, uh, I like to frame it for myself and, and, and my clients is, is we are always motivated by pleasure, or at least I'd like, I'd, I'd like to live in a, a, in a world where we're motivated by pleasure most of the time, but it's just a matter of short term. It's about choosing short term pleasure or long term pleasure. This is how I like to think of it. So for example, when I walk into a cafe and I'm starving and it's like, middle of the day Wednesday and I know I have a really big deadline and I want to be in a place of clarity and Mm. high energy and high vibration, I can look and see, you know, let's say a kale salad or like some, some, some version of something green and yummy and clean. And I can see, you know, a Philly steak sandwich (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like, Hmm, short-term pleasure, long-term pleasure. Right. Because one is, it's like putting, uh, putting some, some coins in your bank account, sort of your health bank account. And the other one is like, Hmm, I want to be like a little bit hedonistic and like really enjoy pleasure right now. And so it's just a matter of being conscious and there's no right or wrong answer. Even if I chose the Philly steak sandwich in the middle of the day on Wednesday, there's nothing wrong. It doesn't reflect badly on me. It's just a choice that I'm making and I need to be making it um, from an aware place. Like I have the information because of the work that I've done that gluten doesn't work great. Cheese will probably make me a little tired. Um, so do I want that or do I want to come back after lunch and be really clear and focused and get the work that I want done, done because that too gives me pleasure, right? Getting yeah. the work. It's a very empowered way to live your life. And I think it's just, it's really powerful to watch more people come to this understanding that there is nothing good or bad about either a kale salad or a chili what is it called? (laughs) Oh, Philly steak sandwich. Philly steak sandwich. Yeah. I've never, yeah, I've never had one actually, but I hear about them. And then every time I try to say it out loud, I say it funny, but yeah, I've, um, I I think there's, there's nothing good. There's nothing bad about either one of them. It just is what it is. And then you look at how it affects your body and decide what you want. And and sometimes, yeah, the thing you're going to want 
is long-term pleasure and sometimes the thing you're going to want a short-term pleasure. But when you come from it from a stance of acknowledgement, totally changes the experience. You're like, I want this right now because I want it right now. And it's okay if later in the day I'm tired and I'll deal with it then, but this is the path I'm going to take right now. And it's mm. it comes from so much self-awareness. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. I think that's a very beautiful way to approach food and to approach all things in life. It's like, this is what I want to do and, and have your priorities and have no judgment around your priorities. Um, I want to talk about people, how you help women get more into their hearts and out of their head, because we're living in this day and age, of course, where there is so much thinking and there is less feeling. And I believe that there is a lot of judgment that goes around towards women who are in in their heart more because when you're in your heart more, you feel more. And if you're a vulnerable person, you oftentimes will speak your emotions. You'll speak how you're feeling. And sometimes that can come across as being, what did they say it on the movies? Crazy emotional woman or being mm -hmm. this or that. And I think that's what's hard in a lot of hearts is like this fear of showing too much emotion, feeling too much, wearing your heart on your sleeve. There's judgment and shame around this, which of course is not true. Of course, mm -hmm. it's beautiful to feel this way. But vulnerability is, is not totally accepted by everyone in this world. And it does make it difficult sometimes for people who are really into their heart to feel like it's okay to be that way. So how, what are your feelings on this? Oh, I love that you're bringing this up um, because over the years of, of doing this work with, um, you know, I before I even became uh, a coach, I was teaching sensual movement um, and pole dancing at a studio in New York. And so even then I worked a lot with women and bodies and um, their connection to their, their eroticism and their sensuality. And so between the years that I worked at S, Factor, which is the studio that I teach at, and I also, I still teach there, and, and going into um, coaching around embodiment and dance and just feminine flow, I found that really we can summarize the different messages that we get plastered on our bodies as women down to like three or four very clear ones. One is this whole idea of like, you know, emotionality is weak right? You were talking to that. Um, so we have emotionality is weak. The idea that play is unproductive. The idea that our sensuality is dangerous or erotic, or erotic energy in that part of us is dangerous. And then that our body wisdom and our intuition, this feminine wisdom that we have inside of us, all of us, including the men, right? Just because I'm speaking of, of the feminine, I'm not speaking just in particular to women. But that the body wisdom and intuition is really just this like woo-woo, witchery, new agey concept um, because it's not uh, something you can touch. It's not pragmatic. It's not like right there in front of you. And so what happens is we start to internalize, we get these messages throughout our lives, right? For, in different incidents and through different institutions and systems out there. And we show up and we show up very in our masculine, men and women. And we show up going, oh, okay, now I get it. I live in a world where certain things are valued and revered. And um, those things are productivity and working really hard and burning yourself to the ground and like, um, 
just like seriousness and spreadsheets, right? Um, as opposed to a world where there is an equal amount of value and um, reverence given to being as much as doing to uh, admiring beauty or being beauty or creating beauty as much as creating these spreadsheets and, you know, uh, bottom lines or whatnot. Um, the idea of our sensual energy being dangerous has contracted us to the point where I don't think anyone's really super happy with the idea of, you know, us not being as connected to our sensuality. It's probably a really great service for humanity in general if women are a little bit more connected to this part of themselves. And my, what I'm most passionate about is creating these safe spaces for women to feel that they can really embrace their full range and that all of them is welcome. That sensual part of them, the, you know, go-getter, like masculine part of them, the little girl inside of them that's really creative and, and wants to play and have fun and um, get very creative. And then um, also the, the very wise woman sort of like warrior queen, more primal energy that we have as women as well, right? So we we explore all of these different parts of us, no matter how connected we are, because all of us have like that one or two that we're like, oh, I haven't talked to her in a while, <laughs> you know, because um, she hasn't come out to play because our lives are inundated by either just being like at work all the time or being a mom all the time or being a partner all the time and a nurturer all the time. So we don't create spaces for these other parts of ourselves that are really important. What would you say to someone who has lived their entire life like the what you just described, someone who's very spreadsheety, serious, busybody, hustle bustle, and works mm -hmm. at a career, a very masculine career surrounded by men, let's just say, for example, works at as a lawyer or a police officer and it's this concept is totally foreign. This concept of being in your feminine flow is extremely foreign to this person. And most of their waking hours are spent in this masculine, surrounded by this masculine energy. They mm -hmm. have it. Everyone else around them has it. Where do they start to incorporate more of this feminine flow in their life? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. So in situations like that, I find that really the the first step, the first baby step is to just find or create a safe space to start to explore the side of you that has been dormant for a really long time. And that may look like something as basic as once a week I go to a belly dancing class, like totally outside of my comfort zone, right? Like I'm just thinking of like, I don't know, a, a female police officer, right? Once a week she goes, she's like, all right, I'm going to try this thing out. Let's, let's see what happens. Um, maybe it's something, uh, that's a little bit even, you know, a little bit bigger than that. So maybe it's that she joins like a, a women's circle that might be a little bit of a stretch, but you know, finding what it is that she is really craving in that feminine world in that feminine flow that she knows she has inside of her or else she wouldn't be scoping out like, Hey, what's available to me. Um, or you can also create it within you in that, like in your own schedule, in your own reality. So that could be something like, um, starting a very, very simple, you know, five minute 
what I like to call a moving meditation practice. And um, what that looks like can be as simple as putting on a song that really just gets you either relaxed or joyful or in your sensual energy and just standing there and doing hip circles for a few minutes. Um, so you can see, you know, me talking about belly dancing, me talking about hip circles, like a lot of this is about connecting to sort of first and second chakra um, in our bodies. So um, for those of you listening who may not know about the chakra system, the first chakra is just, you know, right around um, the, end of, the end of our tailbone sacrum area. And that's very much associated with safety. And so as women, of course, we've um, we've learned through the years that we live in a world where sometimes it's not safe to be a woman, right? So it's very important for us to cultivate our connection to that. Um, and second chakra, which is all about like pleasure and sensuality and creativity. And essentially, you know, it's like our, it's like the area in our body where we birth something, whether that is another human or it might just be an idea and an energy, right? It doesn't matter. Um, but it's a very, it's like the, 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 the ground to seed something. And so when we, so our hips is a beautiful way. Anytime you move your hips, it's a way in which you start to wake up the energy in that part of your body that maybe otherwise when you are working in a more masculine workplace, um, doesn't, you don't have access to as much. Right. And so you can do that at home. You can create a little practice on your own. Like that's one thing that I've created for people, um, in my community is just like a free little starter kit an embodiment starter kit. And that has just a few videos. So if you're like, Oh, I don't even know what hip circles are exactly. Like I show you, it's like not rocket science. It's super basic. Um, but it's a very simple movement that anyone can do any age, even if you've never like worked out in your life. Like it's very simple, um, and intuitive as a, as a woman. And so we do that. And if you start to do that, you find yourself just having a practice where you get to connect with this energy that you maybe otherwise don't connect with outside. And then from that first step, you know, it will naturally start to spill over into other things. And you'll start, you know, you'll wake up an appetite for something that maybe has been a bit dormant. And, you know, for each person that that path is going to look a little different. I love that you do pole dancing. That's really cool. I don't think I knew that about you. And I, I, that was one of my first starter feminine starter, um, like Kickstarter, I guess. I don't know. I, Mm -hmm. before I was really, when I was still really into my like masculine mindset, I started to do pole dancing and that was just such a beautiful tool for me to get into my body. And of course it was so awkward and painful at times, like literally very painful as you know, (laughs) but painful in a sense of like, Oh my God, I'm moving my hips. Oh my God, I'm wearing heels. Oh my God, I'm taking off my shirt and I'm kind of stripping as I'm dancing. And it's like (laughs) crazy, but so fun. And, And there are definitely times that I, I don't do it anymore. So I do miss it all the time. And when I hear a song, I'm like, man, I would love to pole dance to this song. Like that's my go-to thought is like hearing really good, sexy music. I'm like, I could totally imagine putting a routine together for this. Um, okay. So another question that's popped in my mind while you've been talking is I'm curious about in, in, when, when you have dated in your life and you've been in the presence of partners and you're with someone that's very feminine. I'm very curious 
do you find that you have you've had in the in your past like a masculine attitude come out when you're mm-hmm. with a feminine man when you're with a partner who's very like soft and 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 creative and like super in touch with um pulling inward and magnetism and it's like great qualities but do you find that that being around that sort of energy sometimes pulls out more of a masculine driven ambitious sense of you or no or you are you no matter what Mm, that's a great question no I've changed tremendously in um in terms of how I show up in romantic partnership and I can say in the past up until my last relationship even though I didn't necessarily date the creative, like soft types, if we want to call them that, um, I, I did always feel like I was the masculine energy in, in the relationship. And so I, and I didn't, I was not conscious of it at all. I just thought, Oh, Hey, I'm just showing up and being me. I also, um, was a film producer in my past life uh, before I moved into the personal development world. And so as a producer, you are very much like managing everyone and you are also in charge of the money and the spreadsheets and the plans and you tell people where to go and at what time. And so you're really spearheading everything. And so, so I sort of showed up in relationships the same way, like, all right, okay, so we're going out at this time and I made the reservation and here we're going and da, 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 and all the things. And, um, and then what happened, happened was I met um, I met my most my most recent partner and he was not having it I mean I think it was like on our I don't know if it was a first date or second date it was like um, we I think I was trying to pull out my phone to like look up the address of wherever we were going on um, you know Google Maps and he just looked at me and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just looking at the address. So I know so we know where to go. And he was like, no, that's not going to, that's not going to be happening. <laughs> and I was like, I was so annoyed at the beginning. I was like, what? I felt so like disempowered. And I had all these, like all my ego stuff started coming up. And I was like, who does this guy think he is? And you know, the whole script. And, um, and it continued to be a point of contention for the first few months of us, um, dating. But I started to realize that what my system actually needed to feel like I could soften into my like feminine was someone who's like, I got this. I've made the reservation. We're showing up. Just be ready at this time. And I've got the rest. And it's like, it's in those little details, um, that you start to sense, like, I think your nervous system really senses something much bigger. Oh, this, there is a container here. This masculine energy is actually creating a container that allows me to soften and turn into like water, essentially. And so I was able to, even though it was like a learning process and we definitely had our moments, it was like I slowly continued to just soften into that surrender. And it was the most beautiful relationship and the healthiest, most functional um, one, and I would say the most like balanced in terms of polarity that I've ever had. And it was really this realization that, oh, I need to feel safe and taken care of. And in all my other relationships, the, the partners I had, at least the male partners that I had, because the dynamic with, with female partners can get a little bit um, confusing and layered. But the, the, with the male partners, it definitely, I felt like 
they didn't, they also lived in a world where they weren't, they couldn't figure out how they were supposed to show up. So like they weren't, you know, everyone was, they were all trying their best, but we went through such a weird, I feel like the last like 30, 40 years when it comes to masculinity has been really confusing for men Mm -hmm. and for women. And so they're just showing up and trying to do their best. But I know that definitely my experience was, oh, oh, I can sigh and take a deep exhale now and just be like, oh, you got this. I don't have to do all of it. I don't have to do it all. Like I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) It's such a good feeling. That's like my favorite quality now is to be like, if I'm dating someone and they are like, Hey, let's meet here at this time. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so refreshing because I cannot tell you how many people I've gone out with. That's the number one thing is just like, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? And like, to me, that's I will so take the lead. I will so do it. And I know myself and I know that I'm like how you described yourself um, beforehand being like, da, 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 here's the time, here's the location, here's the map, blah, blah, blah. Like that's me and that's my natural state. And someone has once said to me, um, what makes you succeed in business makes you fail in love. And that always stuck with me since I heard that. I was like, wow, this is so true. What makes you succeed in business can, can make you fail in love. Not always. Mm. But <clears throat> for me, like I am very, very, um, cross the T's, dot the I's, do everything timely, organized, yeah. um, just go get her. And I realized with relationships, that was a very masculine attribute. And I consistently attracted in very feminine counterparts. Mm. And for, years that did not work well. It didn't work well. And I had to really slow down to look at what, how am I presenting myself and showing up in relationships? And it made sense to me that I was attracting men who, who saw in me what they wanted more of. And I saw in them what I wanted more of. I wanted more of that creativity and softness and they wanted more of that intensity and and drive. And the problem was though, that we hadn't worked on creating that within ourselves yet. So in a sense, it could be considered codependency being like, you're going to be my man, but you're also going to be the woman in me. (laughs) And then being like, you're my woman, but you're the man in me. And it just does not work. It did not work. So I'm not saying that it can't work for anyone. For some people, that kind of balance would work really well, but it didn't work that way for me because essentially what happens when you're with a person, you're with them because you love yourself with them. You yeah. fall in love with yourself. And, and that too is a new revelation for me to really think about that you really are when you, when you're finally like, when you find someone you really jive with and you, you enjoy time together and you, like just totally, you don't have concerns about, you're, you're comfortable with this person. Like you just love them. Mm. What's really going on there is that you are falling in love with who you are when you are with them. Yes, you love them, but you're also really crazy about how you show up in that relationship. You're funny. You're laid back. You're not anxious. You feel protected. Like you feel safe. And that safety being with someone for me, I'll say if I'm with someone that's more driven than me or more ambitious or more of the protector, I suppose that safe space that that energy provides me with allows me to feel free, which allows me to feel goofy. And I like that version of me that's really like weird and quirky because I'm not that way 
with a lot of people. It take it's very select people that I have found in my dating life that that side of me comes out and consistently when I look at the patterns, they're holding space for that for me. Mm. Like they are the leaders. They are they make me feel so safe that I don't really care if if I come across as weird and like they get the language. It's very interesting. I'm like talking about it as I'm processing it. So it's not coming out perfectly, but it's patterns that I'm noticing and I find it very interesting. Yeah. And the mastery, uh, of all of that is to then do that for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is like the like creme de la creme version of of life is like to be able to create Mm -hmm. and cultivate that safety for yourself, to be able to really celebrate who you are without the reflection or being your own mirror. And that's, I mean, that's like, I mean, I'm not saying we're all working towards that. I'm not, I don't know if we'll, you know, some of us may get there. Some of us may not, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think that's also an important thing to remember is that yes, of course, romantic, romantic partnership or partnership of any sort is always so, so wonderful and such a, such an important container for growth. And when we can take that and reclaim it back to just ourselves and creating that container for us, for us in ourselves. So it's like, you know, lots of times I have conversations with myself. I may sound kooky if someone heard me, but internally, like I have conversations with like the little girl in me, you know, like who I was at the age of four or five, who's like freaking out and probably running the show sometimes if I'm having like an anxiety attack or like something's going on and I'm just freaking out. And when I have that conversation with her and I'm like, hey, I'm here and I got you and we don't need anyone else, it makes that partnership so much more potent because I've chosen me already and now I'm just, it's like two people who have chosen each other now just being in relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the whole, I complete me and you enhance me. Like it's, it's you've already exactly. done the work to complete yourself. Totally. And that anyone that enters this sphere that's called your life is mm. an enhancement, a beautiful enhancement. And that also is very empowering to be able to say that no one can take anything from you. You're infinite. You have what you need. You are, you are already, there's nothing that's lacking. Like every single thing you'd want in a, a dream partnership, a perfect partner, that's you, that's within you. And if it's not, then that's something to look at and to start paying attention to and to build and to create in the meantime. So then when that person comes into your life, that might not be a whole lot taller than you, that might have brown eyes instead of blue eyes, that might not have the funniest humor, you still have space to fall in love with this soul in front of you because all those things you thought that you needed another person to have, you've already got within yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Okay, so last thing that I wanted to talk about, and we kind of talked a little bit about this before we hopped on this call, but this stage of darkness mm. and being able to sit in the darkness of, of life in the different phases. And I was kind of alluding to you that this past, <clears throat> I would say just past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of that feeling of darkness and angst and looking me looking for outlets to express that, to feel that. And I know that you've had quite a year of being in this 
mm. stage of darkness and you've probably entered it and exited it and entered it and exited it your whole life. So how have you come to really embrace the darker side of life and not feel like you as a person are dark, even whenever your body may be in this space of darkness? Mm. Well, I'll start off by saying that it's super comfortable for me. When I grew up during a war in the Middle East. So uh, it, it was really my default, right? So I think that there's certain things that I didn't necessarily have to learn in terms of being comfortable in the darkness. I just sort of was like thrown into it. Um, and of course, I, you know, you and I had talked about this before we got, we hopped on is like, we, I'm a double Scorpio. And so, and now it's Scorpio season. And so Scorpio is all about like mystery and darkness and thriving in that. And so I feel like those pieces of my life have already been put into place, making it a lot easier for me to be a champion of our darkness for those, you know, and I do, I, I talk a lot about this to my community and I'm like, Hey guys, like I know for lots of you, the, your edges going into like the darker, chaotic, ragey, angry, um, place. And for me, it's actually my edge is like, being joyful like mm. I'm like oh my god that's so hard to do like even <laughs> this morning I was like on insta story I was like I was like sharing that I had this um, you know really beautiful revelation and shavasana during yoga and that like I just feel like life is really good and then you know I had to of course afterwards be like disclaimer I have I reserve the right to like not be happy in a few hours because like mm. it was so much for me like I felt myself pulling back and so I think really on an embodiment level for those who are not, you know, super comfortable in their anger, I find, or, or their darkness in general, it's not just anger. Um, what I find is a really, really helpful practice to start to build that muscle of being okay in that energy is to actually put on, like to work your way up um, into a place of darkness musically and in your body. And so, for example, like I created this, um, this dance class called Embody that I teach. Uh, and we, throughout the hour, we go through these different emotions and we sort of peek halfway through in the anger and chaos and darkness stage. And what I found is really beautiful and happens for most people is when they stretch themselves just to the point where it feels like, oh, hey, I'm a little bit past my comfort zone, but not so much that I'm, I snap, right? Because we don't want anyone to go like into full contraction. But if you start to really embody a sensation in your, in, in, in your own body of whatever is coming up for you in that darkness, usually by jumping, by shaking, by moving and dancing it out, what happens is then there is space in our bodies. I think I always tell them, hey, it's like, it's like taking out the emotional trash. Um, so you sweat it out, you jump it out, you might yell it out, you might um, shake it out. And then there's space in your body for, for the joy and the innocence and the purity and the rawness of it all. Um, and I find personally for me, I've used the darkness as a tool to access space for my lightness. So I will go into the dark, 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 go through it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now it's all out of my body. Thank God. Now here's space for, for lightness. But when I try to access lightness before I go through the ragey, <laughs> chaotic phase, I find that it feels like a costume because it's not 
coming from the ends. I don't have space inside my body for it because my body is still holding on to all this anger and bubbly, weird, gunky stuff. Um, and instead I put it on and it's sort of like right on the surface of my body. So it's there. It's not completely inauthentic. It's just not like from like my heart outwards shining. Does that make sense? Totally. The way, actually the way you just described it, something's clicked for me. Like I've always, I've always understood and heard that dancing is a wonderful way for people to release emotions, but I've never thought about it. As in, what did you say? Like the emotional trash or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like taking it out. Yeah. Yeah. I really like thinking of it that way because that makes total sense. It's like this physical manifestation of purging. It's like purging this energy out, purging the stories out, purging the crap out that doesn't need to live inside anymore. Mm-hmm. And same with like yoga. Whenever I do hip stuff, whenever I'm doing um, like a half pigeon, like I really feel this presence of stuff coming up for me. And lo and behold, of course, that's a pose where a lot of our energy is stored in the hips. And so when we're doing half like pigeon pose, it's like, yeah, I want to cry and it's not because of the physical pain. It's because of other things that are coming up and the same is with dancing and really embodying the emotions that you're feeling. For me, I'll be honest. The struggle is it's a few things. I feel very like dancing is very vulnerable for me, period. And then sometimes I, I get, I get too caught up in my head and the whole purpose of dancing freely is to get into your body and out of your head, but it really makes me go face to face with my overthinking. Totally. Like that's the place when I am thinking the most is when I'm dancing. What is everyone thinking about me? What are the, no one's looking at me. No one is looking at me. And I know this, but it's like my, my natural fight or flight reaction is to solve this, like fix this. Like someone is looking at me. I know they are like fight or flight because you're vulnerable. And I could bear my soul on this podcast. I can tell, I can speak in front of hundreds and there's no problem. me sharing my deepest, darkest fears. But the minute I am dancing, even in a room that has almost no light on, I feel that Mm. way. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly so. So embody that class that I, that I created was exactly for that is to be, because so many of us, um, show up in a dance class and we're like, Oh my God, what's happening? I'm going to (laughs) die. Right. That feeling I've had that too. And, uh, and so with embody, it's really like, you know, I've, I think of it as a, a full hour moving meditation, um, that's guided. So it's like my voice is there the entire time, like helping you, giving you little like tools to play with, to keep you distracted. So there's sensual tools that keep you distracted from your mind, like going into that overdrive of like what's going on, what's happening. Because the truth is, if you actually close your eyes, connect with your inhale and your exhale, and then bring your hands on your body and just feel like, hey, what sensation is coming up for me right now? And you can even do like a simple scan of of your senses. Like, what do I hear right now? What taste do I either have in my mouth right now or a taste that I remember that I remember from like a few hours ago when I had that really yummy chocolate souffle? Um, you know, what when I take a deep breath in, are there any scents, the sense of my shampoo or the sense of an essential oil that I have on and that are coming into my body and infusing my cells? What, and, you know, so you just do this like inventory of, of, of your senses and that drops you into your body instantly. There's no way not to. You may come right back out the same way that, you know, in a meditation practice, we have moments where we're like, oh, yeah, I've emptied my, nope, 
did not empty the brain. <laughs> it's back. Something's back. The grocery list is here. Um, right. So, but it's a constant, it, the same way we sit in, in and, and practice a sitting meditation and we work on cultivating that muscle of mindfulness. I find that when we get up and do these types of moving meditations, we're cultivating our sensual muscle and our embodiment muscle of like, how can I just drop myself back into my body and feel the sensations and feel like what emotions might be coming up or maybe there aren't, you're not there yet. That's like a layer too deep. Maybe you're just literally feeling like, what do I feel under my fingertips right now? Oh, it's my cotton shirt. Hmm. <laughs> right. But you're still feeling something. Yeah, I like I like the sound of that because it's not totally left it's not leaving you, you know, on the dock stranded by yourself to feel exactly. like you're fending. And that's sometimes how dancing feels to me. It's really yeah. fascinating. And and I think like with meditation, whenever I tried to do certain forms of meditation that's just about having a blank slate of a mind, no way. Yeah. Heck no, that's not working for me. But yeah. when I started doing Vedic meditation, it clicked because it was a method that worked for me that it wasn't just about clearing the mind. It was about allowing thoughts to come in while focusing on a mantra. So it gave me something to do. Mm. And I also allotted energy and time and space for those thoughts to come in. So there's no fighting. It was very effortless. And yeah. so I like the sound of your dancing. I feel like that that is a very happy medium because the fact of the matter is a lot of us just don't know how to turn off the brains. Yeah. So we need these tools. We need to know how to make it a less painful experience because dancing, if you look back, I mean, not even look back, there's countries right now that dancing is just, it's life. Dancing is life. Like they've been dancing since they were kids. And then if you look at my life, there was none of that. There was no free spirited dancing growing up in my household. There was no free-flowing dancing classes I did as a kid. It was very rigid, orderly, like this is what is allowed inside of the box and everything outside of the box is not allowed. And so that's why now as an adult, it's like, oh my gosh, how do I play? How do I play on the dance floor? Like I can, I, I love, I'm a very playful person, don't get me wrong. And, and my form of play is acro yoga. I mentioned that on like every podcast episode. That's like my favorite thing to do ever. But the next layer I would love to dive deeper into is dance. And I think after after listening to you talking about this, I'm feeling more inspired to to get back into it and to do some more of it. And I know that's probably the same for everyone listening. Mm. Well, I do. I, you know, what I started doing because I heard so many stories like this and because I can only be in one place is I started creating embody at home classes. And so those are like the same way you would download like a meditation, a guided meditation and just sit and listen to someone and follow what they're saying. I basically create these moving meditation and body at home classes that you can totally get from my site and do at home. And women love it because they just, they'll do it in the park. They'll do it in their living room, in their backyard. And it's, it's a little gift for yourself because you really get a chance to sink in. And it's just yet another practice that you can add to, you know, the, the, the toolbox of stuff that you already have, whether it's yoga or running or, you know, whatever each person does to like tap into their bodies. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. Okay, great. So I will have a link to that on the show notes for this episode 180 so that everyone can check that out and have this gift to themselves. Um, before we go to the quick fire round, can you let everyone know 
where they can connect with you online in case they are not looking at the show notes for this episode right now. Sure. So um, I'm currently in two places um, at NadiaMunla.com. So just my full name.com, which is where you can find all the information on um, just coaching and my blog and all my musings. And then um, specifically for the dance class that I created that we talked about a little bit today, um, you can go to EmbodyDanceClass, all one word.com. And over there is where you'll find there's one tab that says Embody at Home. So for anyone interested in um trying out one of those classes. There's a little express one that you can get for free. There's not even an opt-in or anything. You just go and try it out. And then there's also some other ones um, that are a little bit longer if you do like the, the short teaser version. Beautiful. I will have those links on the show notes for this, guys. So be sure to check it out. And it's time for the quick fire round. Whatever pops in your head first. Ready? Yeah. All right. If you are a crystal person, which crystal do you relate with the most right now in your life? Ooh, amethyst. If you had to smell one scent for the rest of your life, what would it be? Jasmine. Mm, Good choice. What is a childhood favorite movie? (laughs) Father of the Bride. (laughs) I love that movie. It's a great choice. Um, What is your spirit animal if you had to choose one? Mmm, owl. Mm, I like that. What's your favorite meal right now? Avocados. <laughs> Classic. What country is on your bucket list to visit that you have not visited yet? Crazy enough, Greece, which is like right next door to like my home country, Lebanon, but I've never been. Ooh, so. it's time. Yeah. I've been thinking about Greece too lately. It's it's, it's the it's the age of Greece. <laughs> um, let's see. What are three words to describe you right now in this moment? Fierce. <laughs> mm. Fierce, lovable, and I want to say on fire. If you had a ship, like a really nice big ship, what would you name it? Okay, I'm just going to share the first thing that came to mind. Mama. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> I like it. It's good. That's what, how you, that's like that kind of question. That's what you have to do. You just have to say yeah. whatever comes to your mind first. <laughs> if you joined the circus, what would your position be? Oh, pole dancer. Oh, duh. Okay. Duh. Yeah. All right. Last question. Well, actually, two more questions. Second and last question. If love tasted like a flavor, what would it taste like? Oh, chocolate. chocolate. I'm kidding. <laughs> and then the last question, what is one must-read book? Ooh, one must-read book. I love this book called Written on the Body. It's fiction, and it's by the author Jeanette Winterson. It's been years since I've read it, but it's one of those books you can pick up and read over and over again. It's like one long poem, um, and it's just should I go into this or <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> like it's, it's okay. Let me just get it. I'll tell you guys real quick. So it is written like in the perspective of a lover about another lover. And it never, it, you never know who's, if there's like male or female or what the situation is like, which is really cool. So the entire book, you have no idea like who's talking and who's male and who's female. 
Um, and it's just one long love letter that is just, it's one of the most sensual reading experiences I've ever had. It's like every word is just like, mm. That sounds great. I'm excited to read that. Thank you for the recommendation. Sure. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Nadia, for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate you sticking with me with my uh, colds and sickness going on here, but I think everything we talked about was so beautiful and juicy, and I'm just so grateful for all your wisdom and for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a such a fun conversation, especially those rapid fire questions, man. <laughs> I'm glad love you them. like them. I love when people like my questions. So everyone, if you would like to get the links to everything that we mentioned, including the book and her dance classes and her website, go over to maddiemoon.com slash Nadia dash Manna. And you can get all of those things there as well as my free audio guide for you, Four Pillars of Femininity for Perfectionists that lives there over on my website. You can grab that for free. And that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us every single Wednesday. You can expect a new episode. So I will see you guys next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.